Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. I, we owe a great debt to St. Michael, the Archangel, today, especially this week. It's been a difficult week. Many prayers went out and to God and, and to Michael, the Archangel, as well. And he was a great support and aid and help to us. In fact, I'm rather convinced that he was very instrumental in uh, little Gabriel coming into this world with breath in his body so that he could be baptized and chrismated. It got me thinking this morning about the angels. And uh, we know that the angels, they have an intellect, they have a will, they have a capacity. We know that they worship God unceasingly. Well, if they're worshiping God, they're not worshiping him as, you know, mechanistic robots. They're worshiping him out of love. The angels love God. And if the angels love God, the angels love one another. Never really thought about that before until this morning. Gabriel and Michael are friends. They love one another. And they love us. The host of angels is sort of a picture, an image of what the church should be. And we ask St. Michael, who's especially called upon at the time of death in our funeral rites and many of the prayers, we pray and ask the angels to intervene with the soul of one going to God, and especially St. Michael, the archangel. And thinking of St. Michael praying and interceding and caring for little Gabriel, the namesake of his best friend, the archangel Gabriel. And there's, we don't want to forget Raphael. Michael and Gabriel and Raphael. I want to read you a wonderful little quote uh, from a, a great orator. And he speaks about the angels and he says, Compared with ours, how calm and how luminous is the knowledge of pure spirits. They are not doomed to the intricate discursings of our reason which runs after the truth, composes and analyzes, and laboriously draws conclusions from premises. They instantaneously apprehend the whole compass of primary truths. Their intuition is so prompt, so lively, so penetrating, that it is impossible for them to be surprised, as we are, into error. If they deceive themselves, it must be of their own will. The perfection of their will is equal to the perfection of their intellect. They know not what it is to be disturbed by the violence of appetites. Their love is without emotion, and their hatred of evil is as calm and as wisely tempered as their love. A will so free can know no perplexity as to its aims, no inconstancy in its resolutions. Whereas with us, long and anxious meditation is necessary before we make a decision, it is the property of the angels to determine by a single act the object of their choice. 
God proposed to them, as he does to us, infinite beatitude in the vision of his own essence. And to fit them for so great an end, he endowed them with grace at the same time as he gave them being. In one instant, they said yes or no. In one instant, they freely and deliberately decided their own fate. Well, today we celebrate this great feast of Michaelmas. The leader of the angelic host, the archangel Michael. The origins of this feast go all the way back to before the 5th century. St. Michael, the archangel, he was a great warrior angel. And he appears many times in the history of the church doing battle on behalf of God's people. There are many stories about his intervention. One of the most famous occurrences was in 590 during the reign of Pope Gregory the Great. There was a great pestilence throughout Rome, and St. Gregory had called for processions and litanies to be prayed throughout the city of Rome, and he was processing and praying in in one of these, and St. Michael appeared to Gregory. He was standing and appeared over Hadrian's tomb there. And in honor of this appearance and the subsequent deliverance from this deadly pestilence by St. Michael, St. Gregory named the mausoleum Castel Sant'Angelo. I've been there. It's still there to this day. And there's a statue of St. Michael that sits atop the building. Our warrior saint also appeared in one occasion off of Normandy in 708 to the Bishop Aubert where Mont Saint-Michel was built to his honor. Today it's still a pilgrimage site. St. Michael's reputation as a warrior for God's people goes way back even before Christian times, back into the the life of the Hebrews and the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, who called upon him often for protection and deliverance. We read in the book of Daniel that it is St. Michael, the great prince, who protects your people and will arise. According to the book of Daniel, St. Michael, who is called he who is like God, he will be the one who will finally defeat the Antichrist. It was St. Michael who threw Lucifer out of heaven at his rebellion, and it will be St. Michael in the end who will deliver the final blow to our enemy, the Antichrist. There's been also, notably, a special devotion to St. Michael among the Irish from earliest times. St. Michael, as I said, is also invoked at the time of death. He's the wearer of souls when someone's preparing to go into the next life. And that's why he's often depicted on the Irish high crosses in their graveyards. It was an 8th century Irish poet, Blathmach, who wrote, At the fight against the multitudinous dragon of our Michael stout victorious, the soldier white-sided hostful will slay wrathful Antichrist. This is back in the 700s, written by an Irish poet. Also in the rabbinic Jewish tradition, many things referencing St. Michael. They say that Michael fought with the princes of the pagan nations on behalf of Israel. That Michael rescued Abraham from the furnace into which he had been thrown by Nimrod. It was Michael who told Abraham that Lot had been taken captive and protected Sarah from being defiled by Abimelech, who also rescued Lot at the destruction of Sodom. They also say that Michael prevented Isaac from being sacrificed by his father. It was Michael who 
stayed the hand of Abraham. Later, Michael prevented Laban from harming Jacob. Michael also protected Israel at the time of the Exodus. It was Michael who God used to open the Red Sea and to destroy the Egyptian army. All of this according to Jewish tradition. It was Michael who guided and delivered them through the wilderness. In the New Testament, in the book of Jude, we read about how Michael contended with Satan for the body of Moses. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, we read about that primordial conflict among the angels. It says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. In this passage from John's Apocalypse, we read of Michael the archangel. He stands there at the head of the angelic band. It is Michael and his angels, John says. Michael and his angels who defeated the angels of the rebellion and cast them down to the earth. But we still rely, we still rely, as we did this past week on St. Michael, for help and for protection against the wiles of the devil, who we know roams about seeking whom he may devour. St. Paul tells us our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of the air. We know and proclaim that Christ is risen. He's destroyed hell and the power of hell. And we will never die because we believe in the resurrected one. We will not fear or faint or be dismayed. And yet, St. Paul warns that we would be foolish to ignore the devil's schemes against us. We would be foolish not to be aware that we're still in a spiritual battle and a struggle. And that the angels of heaven, those ministering spirits who are our friends, who God has sent to help us, even as he sent to help Christ himself when he was in the earth. They still offer protection to God's children. I'm quite confident that my guardian angel has preserved my life on numerous occasions. Not only do the angels minister to us in this life, as I said, they're also there for us when we are about to go into the next. They watch over us and they carry us to God as we pass out of this life. They stand there before our accuser and they defend us. At our funeral rites, we ask our angels to grant safe passage of the departed soul into the country of paradise. This feast today of the dedication to St. Michael, as we keep these feasts and we contemplate these things, we hear the prayers and the readings, this sharpens our awareness of the schemes of the evil one and the ongoing spiritual warfare that we are engaged in and our friends, the angels who help us in this battle and our need for them. It also reminds us of Christ's victory over Satan and it fills us with courage and joy to proclaim our faith in the resurrection and the defeat of death. How today... Can we glory in this victory? How do we boast in this defeat and deliverance? How do we live in this freedom purchased for us, so costly won by our Savior and exemplified 
by St. Michael, the Archangel of Deliverance. Well, the Gospel reading for today has been wisely appointed by our fathers to give us a clue as to how we are to do this. In our Gospel, Jesus takes a little child, humble, weak, utterly dependent child, and sits him on his lap, and he says to the great apostles there, who are there, these apostles, who truly are great, not at the moment, but they would become great, they are the very foundation of the church, these great, great men, and yes, they are great men. He says to them while holding the child on his lap, look at this child. Look to this child. If you will be great, you must become like this child. Humble yourself like this child and become utterly dependent upon me. For the angels of these children behold their father's face in heaven. Now, there's something very important in all of this. Something very important in all of this. That the apostles must become like these children because the angels of these children, these children, as do you and I, we have an angel, a guardian angel. Someone, some angel has been appointed to you to look over you, to care for you. You should make sure they're happy. Don't grieve your angel. Don't give them a hard time. You have an angel. Now, when we think about Christ here, he speaks about the child and the angels. And we think about the child and the angels, right? We think about children and angels. And we sort of conflate the two. All of a sudden, we start thinking about the angel as if it's a little child, you know, the chubby little cherub with the, with the child. We see the child and the... That's not at all what's going on. That's not the image that should come to our minds. It is actually the juxtaposition between the little child, the dependent, helpless, simple little child, which we are all to become, and the great, powerful warrior angel that we should see. It is in this very juxtaposition between simple, weak, dependent, trusting, and needy child and towering, powerful destroyer of evil. It is in this that the truth is revealed. We honor the great warrior, Archangel Michael this day, and we celebrate his mighty defeat of Satan. If we want St. Michael to be our friend and our defender, we must become like a little child seated on the lap of Christ. And this is how we will make his victory, our victory. And the angels will fight for us and bring us to Christ through all the dangers and snares of this world. That's the right side up of the kingdom. To slay the dragon, you must become as a little child. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.